Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Hello, good day and welcome to um, the fourth track of our series, I Receive My Healing. All right, I Receive My Healing. We have been on um, this series for just about, we've had three tracks before now. I advise that if you're just listening to this for the first time, that you take your time to actually listen to the previous tracks where we've covered why is this topic important? Can God heal me? Is God willing to heal me? All right. And um, today we are going to look at hindrance, if there are any, to my healing or basically hindrance to receiving healing. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for light and illumination in your word. We thank you for eyes that see. We thank you for ears that hear. We thank you for hearts that know by your spirit. And we thank you for hearts that can respond to your word. We ask and receive clarity, insight, and revelation in your word as we study. And we pray that the burden of ignorance is lifted. And we pray for light and answer in our hearts and our spirit, that every doubt is dissolved and every question is answered. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right. So, as I said before, we are looking today at hindrance to my healing. And so, we're going to be starting from a very interesting scripture. John chapter 9 from verse 1 to 7. I advise you to open your Bibles. All right. John chapter 9 from verse 1 to 7. And it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? <laughs> you know, and this is a very, this is a very important question. When you, particularly when you look at the fact that if the man was born blind, then there, there could have been nothing that he did that would have caused him to be blind. All right. So when you see, when you now see someone who was born blind and then say, did he sin? It doesn't make any sense. But that tells you how people can be when it comes to in trying to find an answer to things. They can just come up with all manner of ridiculous, you know, explanations. And so they continue to say, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned, nor his parents. He says, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comments when no man can work. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Silo, and which by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, I didn't even plan to say this, but let me just say this, particularly because of how this story ends. Now, that naturally or normally, you're going to look at, you know, this particular part and wonder, why would, you know, Jesus stay clean? Why didn't Jesus just, you know, stretch out his hands and get him healed? All right. Or why didn't Jesus just speak a word? Why did he just have to use clay and spit on it and then, you know, um, rub it on his eyes? Now, I can't give you an explanation for that. But the question, the, the question I'm just going to ask you is simply this. Did it work? <laughs> Do you understand? It work. You see, sometimes we are so keen on the medium and the means that we lose a hold on the supernaturalness of the activity. Now, if all you see in that story is still clear and spits, then you are spiritually immature, all right? Or you are spiritually, you're, you're not spiritually discerning. The question at the end of the day is, did it work, all right? And, and the question you want to ask is, what harm is it? Do you understand me? What, what harm is it in the fact that, you know, you have a clay and then you have spit on it and then it's rubbed on your man's eye. But particularly when he tells him to go and wash, all right? And one, one thing 
thing is always is that most of the time people who criticize such things really don't have a solution to it. Just so it's possible that the man would have had friends around there who would have said, you know, why would Jesus even do such a thing? Why would he, you know, put spade in clay and rub the clay on the person's eye? Doesn't he know that's dehumanizing? Okay, fine. You who has not been dehumanizing him, what have you done? And I'm saying that so that you just understand that, see, when it comes to receiving healing, don't be too critical for your sake. All right, don't be too critical. You know, I'm letting my spirit to share this testimony. And I believe, in fact, that, you know, God did that testimony, not just for, to, you know, you know, to get the person healed, but also to teach me something, all right? Um, um, just a couple of days ago, all right, someone reached out to me and told me about a particular health, you know, not necessarily a health issue. She just noticed that um, she had been, a cardiovascular endurance, for me to put it that way, had not been optimal lately. She was always finding it hard to breathe, any little activity, and then she would begin to struggle to breathe and stuff like that. And now, normally, if you know me, um, I just oftentimes just send a voice note, speaking words of faith and healing, and then the person receives and then gets healed. But this time I was about to speak the word of healing to her. And I, I just sensed this straight in my spirit. I sensed that, you know, the, the Lord telling me, tell her to get a bottle of water, tell her to speak forth healing words into that bottle of water and to drink it and she'll be healed. Now, if I'm being honest with you, if a friend of mine had done that, I probably would have, you know, asked my friend and inquired, why would you do such a thing? Why not just speak the word to the person? All right. Or, and I mean, think about the fact that the Lord clearly told me, tell her to speak words into the water. Why can't she just speak words to herself? Now, I cannot give you the answer to those questions. All right. But one thing I know was that was a direction I got. All right. And then I told her to do those things and she did it and she was healed. <laughs> do you understand? She was so don't be too critical when it comes to the healing power of God. It doesn't have to make sense. And that's what you need to realize. It doesn't have to make sense. You see, at the end of the day, will the person be healed or not? That's what should that's what should matter. So there's no need for all of the theological explanations and trying to argue and stuff like that. All right. Now this is not to say, of course, that you now try to do something which is against scripture. Now that's a different thing. All right. But at the end of the day, if it is not dehumanizing, do you understand? If it does not affect the person in a bad way, all right. If it's a, particularly when it's a directive by the leading of God's spirit, do it do it don't argue don't try to explain it away don't try to make so much sense out of it when he says go and wash in the pool just go and wash that's where your healing is that's you know naman also also almost made this mistake as well when he means when he went to see the prophet you know elisha you know elisha just you know elisha just told him see go and wash in the pool and you know naman was pissed off you know i'm the captain of the syrian army how can you tell me to go i did not find a pools in syria what what pool is there to wash here and thank god thank god first of all that he had the voice of the reasoning around him and i want to pray for you at the point where it matters in the place of destiny you always have the voice of reasoning around you you know you just had one of his servants tell him sir you know you know maybe someone that looked at him and said you are the leper he is the man of god you are arguing with him it looks like you don't know what you came here for you know and so he was arguing and so then he said sir is it not just to wash just just even like what would it cost you to just go and wash and if at all you feel like the pool is not clean enough or something by the time you get to the final pools you go and clean your clean up yourself again but at least just go and wash i said he said no problem. And now, that's also something. Not only is it important enough to have the voice of reason around you, you also have to be calm enough to hear. If the devil had taken a hold of his heart so much that he did not hear, see, nothing would have happened. He would have just come and left the leper. And the anointing would still remain upon Elisha. Nothing is going to change. He will still be a man of God. All right? And so, of course, you know the story. Naman goes to wash and then he is healed. So, don't, don't be too critical when it comes to the healing power of God. Don't try to reason things out. If the man of God says, do this, as long as it's not opposing the Christian faith, as long as it's not something that can cause harm to your body, all right? If he says, do this, do that, 
That's where your healing is. All right. Your healing is in those instructions. All right. Your healing is in those instructions. For example, you see Jesus speak to some men and you say, you know, for example, when he was speaking to, you know, the man who was lame, he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. That, you see, the healing is in that instruction, actually. The healing is in that instruction. Same thing when he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. The healing is in those words that he said. So you need to learn to respond. When the man of God tells you, do something, you do it. That's where your healing is. That's where your healing is. But then back to what I was trying to explain. All right. So you see here how the, the way people naturally like to rationalize the cause for things. And you see, the reason people often do it is not even because they're trying to find a solution. I mean, it would have been helpful if the reason you're trying to find the source of a particular illness, of a particular illness or ailment is because you want to understand the etymology so that you can provide a solution. You see, oftentimes than not, when people actually do that, they do that because they want to begin to get, well, at least when they find the cause, then they feel like, oh, this is the consequence of something. And so it becomes relatively bearable knowing that, oh, somebody actually caused this to happen. So most times people don't try to find the source because they want to get it fixed. They try to find the source to appeal in their minds that, oh, at least somebody caused this or someone or something caused this. All right. And so it just makes you realize, don't see, if your inquiry will not help you figure out how to get the thing healed, don't disturb yourself. And it's also another thing for people who need, who need a healing. Don't overdo research on your sickness. Don't overdo it. And I'm going to get to that point really soon. Don't overdo research, all right, when it comes to your sickness. All right. There are, the kind of information that can get you healed is not you understanding the sickness more. That's not it. I mean, you already have the sickness. Do you understand? I know it's hard. I know that, of course, you want to check up on, you know, how fatal it can get, what the mortality rate like, and so on and so forth. But chances are you're going to see stuff that is going to unsettle your heart. Why not focus on God's word? I mean, you already have the sickness already. You already have the ailment already. All right? So why not focus on what can actually cause a solution? All right? And stop putting yourself out there receiving information that is contrary to faith or that can affect your faith. Now, that's not good for you. That's not good for you, all right? So, and here's the question. Even if of the truth, the sickness is a consequence of your action, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. That's the thing, right? So you don't you don't have to now sense to say, oh, well, uh, you know, I maybe, for example, you used to take a lot of, you know, you used to take a lot of sugary stuff when you were younger, and now you have diabetes. And so somehow, at the back of your mind, you tell yourself, eh, maybe, eh, I mean, since it was because of something I did when I was younger, maybe it's not such a bad thing. No! It's still a sickness. It's still an ailment. And God can still heal you. That's the truth. Do you understand? So the fact that you understand the reason, you know the source or the cause behind it, doesn't change the fact that it is a sickness and it's an ailment. And it can be fixed by God's power. It can be fixed by God's power. Alright, now, let's continue here. So now you see the focus of people. Oh, we want to know the source. And so they begin to come up with all manner of funny things, funny theology. Did this man sin? Or did this parent sin? But look at how Jesus answered there. Jesus said, neither did this, did this man sin, nor his parents. In other words, he tells you, he tells you first of all, that the issue is not even the sin of these people. Number two, he also uses that to tell you that see, at the end of the day, sickness is not a function of the sin of people. But much more importantly, he then goes on to reaffirm the actual, like this, the major focus of this interaction that listen, but that the works of God may be made manifest. I am here to walk the works of the Father when it's his day, the nice comment when no man can walk. So, what Jesus does there is to change their focus from trying to figure out what the source of the problem is to him actually to the to the fact that he is here and because he is dead there is now solution made available and so this is the way you must always see him you see don't waste your time you know one of the things i don't do when i 
when we walk up tell me about a particular ailment or a particular disease or something now i'm medically inclined i study physiotherapy in school so i do have some medical knowledge to a large extent all right what i don't do is i don't i don't try to reason out the condition do you understand? i don't try to understand it better i don't try to ask them to explain it to me it's sometimes some people the way you can even know that it's hard for them to receive healing is from the first time they begin to tell you about the sickness you know when you meet someone who studied mass communication and the person knows everything about the sickness you know the person knows the timeline for it to be fatal the person knows what the progression is like and so on and so forth you can already tell that this person has been feeding on negative information and this person cannot be in faith i mean when you come to meet the man of god all right you come to meet someone who you believe is anointed by god for a healing and all you do is to narrate about the problem to the person what that just shows is that your heart is not faith filled and now we all due respect to what you are going through and i totally understand trust me i know how hard and how vulnerable it is to walk up to a man of god and stuff and sometimes you just want to talk about how it is in your heart and the weight upon your heart and so on and so forth but listen to me what you do not need at that point is sympathy what you need is the compassion of jesus and guess what the compassion of jesus it ministers to the situation so for example you know as i showed you in the last in just the last track you know before this where you had the man at the pool and you know he says you know um lord jesus if you are willing make me clean and he says i am willing it, what you what you see there is just not ready to have discussions it's not ready to have discussions it's the same thing with the you know the man at the pool of Bethsaida. you know and then you know the man was there waiting for someone to push him you know into the pool when the pool is stared i know jesus gets there he gets there right now this man has done research he has done research about the closest place he has to stay for it to be easy for someone to just push him into the pool he has probably done his research around what time of the year you know the angel comes to steer the pool and the number of steps you need to take to get in there and so on and so forth and now he sees jesus who is able to give him a solution to that problem and then you know jesus is talking to him you know and he's saying you know do you want to be healed and you know next thing he says he says oh well you know i've been here for a couple of years and you know there are people you know you know and, and then an angel comes to steer this place and there's no person to push me in man listen listen to me do you want to be healed do you want to be healed so sometimes see at the end of the day the entrance to your healing sometimes is that wrong information you have constantly filled yourself with as i'm going to show you very soon you see the difference between faith yeah the difference between faith and unbelief oftentimes is not right or wrong information no it is just the necessary information sometimes what makes a man stay in unbelief or in disbelief is not that he has the wrong information but that the information he has is not necessary for that which he needs at that point in time that's just it so and so one thing you need to realize is this when you need a healing or generally when you want to walk in faith you're not looking for accurate information no that's not what you're looking for even though accurate information is good you're looking for accurate and necessary information you're looking for information that has to do with what you want because listen at the end of the day no matter the kind of thing you need you'll find it do you understand? And it will be accurate. You can find accurate information that will lead you in unbelief, and you can also find accurate information that will stir up your faith. Both of them exist. So you now have to decide what is the kind of accurate information that is necessary to stir up my faith. I need to have that dogged behavior to it. So when you need the healing, for example, you must configure the things you watch, the things you see, the things you hear. Because you see, those inlets are the inlets to your heart. They are the things that steer your faith. So they can either affect your faith positively or they can influence your faith negatively. For example, you need a healing. There is no reason why you are watching fake miracles. You are watching you know, videos of people criticizing pastors with fake miracles. The question is, are there pastors who are actually doing real miracles? Yes. Why not watch them? Why not watch healing videos? Why not watch healing songs? Why not watch testimonies of healings? Why are you going about watching things that contradict that which you need? And then you wonder why when you stand in front of the pastor, there is a struggle in your heart to receive. That's why. 
That's why. Because at that point in time when hands are about to be laid on you, you begin to question, alright, and you begin to second guess the healing power. Because of the things you've seen, those images begin to flash before your eyes. That's the thing. So you need to configure your heart before the meeting. Alright? You need to configure your heart before the meeting. I feel like I'm jumping past myself. Let's just get back to it. So, you see that in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7, what Jesus does there is that he reiterates the focus. Listen, the focus here is not, did this man sin or did his parents sin? No. The focus is that I am here to walk the works of my father. And then, of course, what does Jesus do at that point in time? Of course, he gets him healed. Just simple. He gets him healed. Gets him healed. So, you know, you need to understand. See, let me say this in clear, simple terms. Sin cannot, sin on God's part, let me put it this way, your sin is not an hindrance to God's willingness to heal you. I'm going to say that again. Your sin, and I'm going to explain this, but pay attention, is not an hindrance on God's path to getting you healed. Now, your sin can affect your heart as regards His willingness for you, and what that would just do is to hinder you from receiving, because don't know what I've taught you so far in James chapter 1, from verse 5 to verse 7, a man who is wavering, alright, will not receive anything from God. If a man does not, if you don't ask in faith, you're not going to receive from God, alright? So you can think that your sin is a reason for God not to heal you, but listen to me, God is willing to heal you even when you sin. Now, notice I did not say that sin is okay. Notice I did not say that sin is good. And notice I did not say that you should continue in sin. Because there are two different things. But what I'm telling you is that the idea that your sin is the reason God is not willing to heal you is wrong. You don't find it in scripture. It's not true. Okay, and now let me show you what I said too. You see, you need to realize this. First of all, you need to realize that everybody who was upon the earth before Jesus died for our sins that was buried and rose again, we're all in sin. Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all had sinned. Alright? So, you see that before Jesus was raised from the dead, every man was actually in sin. Every man. So, what you see at the end of the day is that every healing that Jesus did when he was upon the earth, he did towards sinners. Whether Jews or Gentiles, anyone, they were all sinners at the end of the day. And so, the fact that they were sinners did not stop Jesus from healing. I think something you need to realize. Now, Moses have not said that you should go about sinning when you need a healing. But this is actually me telling you that, see, it is not true that the reason God has not healed you is because you are in sin. Now, should you continue in sin? No. No, no. However, do not let the devil lie to you to tell you that because of something you have done in your past is the reason you deserve to have that sickness and it's not going to go. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's the devil telling you a big fat lie. That's not true. That's not true. Guess what? Because you see, you need to understand how God works. You see, God is good to both the evil and to the good. I just spoke about that in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, if you look at Matthew 5 from verse 44 to 45. Alright, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. It says, Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which, which despitefully use you and persecute you. It says that you may be children of your father which is in heaven, for he, he makes his son to rise to the evil and the good, and send it rain to the just and the unjust. Can you see that? So, God is not good to the good and bad to the bad. No. God is good to the good and bad. That's just the way it is. That's just how he is. God is that way. God is good to the evil because he is good. 
Do you understand? So it's not a function of the personality. It is inherently good. And so whoever you are that comes in, in it, comes together in an interaction with God will just receive of his goodness. That's it. That's all he has to offer you. Goodness. That's it. The only thing he has to offer is goodness because that's who he is. He's inherently good independent of who he's asking. So if the just comes around, of course, he's going to receive good things. And if the unjust comes around, from God is going to receive good things as well because that's just how God is. And because you need to understand, see, you see, man does not, God does not think the way man thinks. You know, the way man thinks is if you're a good person, I'm going to do good to you. If you're a bad person, I'm going to do, um, I'm, I'm going to wait for you to turn good. And then when you now become good, I'm going to do good things to you. But that's not how God works. You see, the way God actually works is that God does good stuff to the bad in order that the bad might see his goodness, fall on their knees and agree that he's God and then change to good. And then change to good. So God's goodness is that he's so good, his goodness leads a man to repentance. That's God's goodness for you. That's God's goodness. And I'm going to show you for, so, some examples. For, I'm going to show you some examples. Look at the fact, look at um, Luke 5 verse 17. Let me just show you something interesting. Luke 5 verse 17. He said, and it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, as Jesus, as Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, is it not interesting that in the same place where you had doctors of the law and Pharisees, who were only interested in questioning Jesus, Bible still says, all right, Bible Bible still says that the power of the Lord was present to heal. So, listen, the fact that you have skeptics in the room doesn't change the fact that the power of God is present to heal them. And if chances are not taken, <laughs> the skeptics will receive their healing. I'm telling you, the skeptics are going to receive their healing as well. That's just the reality because that's the goodness of God. That's the good. You know, which was the way man thought. Man would feel, ah, you are skeptics. I'm going to heal everybody else in this place except you. So you will know. The goodness of God is that He takes a hold of a skeptic. All right, he takes a hold of a skeptic and gives him a healing, such that the skeptic cannot deny. Cannot deny. You know, you know, you know what Paul said in First Corinthians fourteen. All right, when I was speaking about tongues and interpretation, he says, if there comes in, he says, if you are speaking in tongues, all right, and then you are interpreting, he says, if there comes in one that is unlearned, all right, he says, the secrets of his heart will be made manifest. He will fall on his knees and he will say, of the truth, God is here. In other words, even the one who is unlearned, who is not one of you, will see of the truth and say, ah, of the truth, God is among these people. And that's that's really the way God is. God is so good that He actually heals the uninterested. He heals the sinner in order that the sinner can now change his ways to become righteous. So the way we expect it is the sinner has to be righteous first, and when he's righteous, then God can now heal him. But no, 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 that's not God. God is in such a way that He heals her all. So even if a sinner shows up on the scene, the sinner is going to receive his healing, and then that goodness to the sinner will cause the sinner to acknowledge that we should there is a God, acknowledge that they are actually in what they've done and then do things and i mean you see this concept of time with jesus on the earth for example when jesus met zacchaeus notice that jesus said you know i'm going to have supper today at your place i'm going to have you know i'm going to eat with you in your house and it was as a reason of what jesus said that zacchaeus now said you know what you know half of my ways i'm going to give to the poor if there's anybody i've stolen from i'm going to give i'm going to give back to them four times notice that jesus did not first say zacchaeus i want to come to your house but i cannot actually come because of the kind of things you've done in the past i want you to first of all change after you now change, I will now visit you. No, the God, the Son of God, God as a man, God in the flesh, saw him, saw a man who was a sinner, saw a tax collector, and decided in his acts to go and have dinner with him. 
Decided is how I'm going to come and eat in your house. But and then as a reason of the goodness of Jesus towards that man, the man now did what repented of his sins. So that is the way Jesus works. That's the way Jesus works. He is good to all, are we together, including the sinner. All right, and then as a reason of his goodness to the sinner, the sinner then goes into repentance. That's the way God works. So before we begin to talk about the hindrance to healing, we need to clear out what the hindrances are not. Because sometimes I know people think, so for example, when I said hindrance to healing, I'm sure that a couple of people probably had it in their mind. I was going to say, sin is hindrance to healing. Listen, let, let me tell you. Now, sin also has, um, it can actually stand as a blockage. And this is what I mean. A man who sins, all right, don't forget I said, so far so good, that a man who cannot, who does not ask in faith, not receive anything from God. So if you, a man who sins will most likely have his conscience damaged and will not be able to ask boldly. Do you understand? Now, at that point in time, sin can be an obstacle to the man receiving. Do you understand? Sin at that point in time can be an obstacle. But you see, on God's path, sin or no sin is always healed. <laughs> that's just the way. Because that's how it is. You need to understand that first of all. God does not change. He does not have shifting shadows. If he's a healer, that is all he is. There is only one singular nature in God. You know, when Paul was speaking in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, he says, I, But I fearless by any means, as the serpent begat he, if through his subtlety, so shall your mind be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ Jesus. Now, the word simplicity there is the word haplotis. It's a word that means the singleness. The and interestingly, the word is both singleness and bountifulness. So let me explain it this way. God's singleness, the single, the singular nature of God, the one-sided, only present nature of God is that he gives bountifully. Do not forget what we said in James 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraided not. So all that we see in God is his ability to give bountifully and not upbraid. Can you see that? He gives bountifully and he does not count false. Now that is God's singleness. That's his singular nature. That's the one thing we can see about him. That's the one-sided, only present, never-changing nature of God. That he is a giver. He is a giver. And when he gives, he does not give in little bits. He does not give small. He gives abundantly, super abundantly, super fluency, without finding fault. Now, that is the way he is. Do you understand? The Bible says, I am the Lord, I change it not. So he cannot change. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was healing both the good and the evil in those days, he is not going to change now. That's how he is. Now, but can sin affect your heart such that you do not receive? Yes. So what do you do? Do not sin. But for the man who is in sin, God is not going to say, I'm not going to heal you until when you change. No. Rather, he heals the man so that the man can now change from his wicked ways and serve him. And that's why, really, for example, when you see a lot of times in scripture, you know, particularly in Jesus' ministry, you'll find men, for, for example, a very good example is... <clears throat> A very good example is the man who was blind. All right, this same man who was blind, for example, from his mother's womb. All right, now after Jesus healed him in John nine, all right, the the doctors of the law and the Pharisees, all right, you know, they excommunicated him from the temple, and then you realize that as a reason of what Jesus did to this man, this man now began to follow Jesus. So his ministry, all right, he now gave himself over to the service of the Lord as a function of his healing. Do you understand? So his healing actually drove him into the work of ministry. Let me show you another good example of what I just said. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 from verse 4 to 10. Oh, glory to Jesus. Luke chapter 5 from verse 4 to 10. Glory to Jesus. He says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. 
It says, nevertheless, I thy word, I will let down the nets. And when they had, and when they had this done, they enclosed the great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled boats, <clears throat> and they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Can you see that? So, God's way, you see, God's way of revealing the intent of a man's heart to him, God's way of revealing the very nature that a man is to him, is by shining his light upon it. You see, as his light shines, based on his goodness upon the heart of a man, or upon the activities of a man, it is clear to the man who he really is. And just like Isaiah in his vision, where he stands in the glory of the Lord and falls and says, wow, and then he begins to cry and wail and says, I am a man of unclean lips. So is the great greatness of God's radiance and the beauty of his glory. You see, when he comes in the effulgence of his light, when he comes and he does forth his goodness, man sees himself for who he really is and then he falls down at his goodness. So what God does not do is God does not try to chastise the person and shout at him and stuff. No. All he has to do is to stand and present himself because in himself there is only goodness and there is only light. The Bible says in James 1 verse 17 that every good gift and every perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of light which means no variableness, not, neither shadow of turning. So all that is in God is good and perfect. And so when that goodness and perfection shows up on the scene, what happens is that the very nature of the man's heart is displayed. The very acts of his being are shown. And at that point in time, the man can see that, oh, I am sinful. And then he causes him to fall down in repentance. Fall down in repentance. You know, the Bible says, as well in Psalms chapter, I, I really hope I'm not missing this. Open your Bible, Psalms chapter <clears throat> 103, I think. Psalms chapter 103. Uh, Psalms chapter 103. And I think verse 4. <clears throat> this is a psalm by David. Psalms chapter 103 and verse 4. Psalms uh, no, sorry, Psalms 130, sorry, and here I mix that up, Psalms 130, Psalms 130, uh, look, look, at, look, at, look at what he says from verse 3, he says, if thou Lord shouldest mark iniquity, which shall stand, you know, it's interesting that an Old Testament man already knew this, this was David, in Psalm 130, he says, Lord, if you mark iniquity, which shall stand, so clearly he's telling you he doesn't. If you do, who will stand? <laughs> who will stand? But look at what he says next. And this blows my mind. He says, But there is forgiveness in you that thou mayest be feared. There is forgiveness in you that thou mayest. So you see, the way God wants you to fear him is by him forgiving you. When God wants a man to fear him, he forgives. Ah, yeah. Now that, that's that's how God operates. You know, when you know in the earthly realm, when you want a man to fear you, you show him your anger. <laughs> you show him your red eye. When he sees your red eye now, he's scared of you. No, listen, but there is forgiveness in you that thou mayest be feared. So God's way of making a man fear him is by him showing forgiveness. You see, he forgives a man so much that the man leaves his hands, you know, with his eyes full of tears, falls down on his ground and says, Oh, grace is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. It just falls down there. 
you know, that, that, that goodness causes him to marvel. So when you hear and he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, actually that fear of the Lord is one that comes out of the forgiveness that he gives. The fear of the Lord is not that when you hear his voice, you know, you begin to shake because his voice is like the thunderings and the sounds of many waters. No, the fear of the Lord is in that you are in reverence, the full awe of his ability to forgive. He says there is forgiveness in you that thou mayest be feared. Forgiveness in you that thou mayest be feared. So how does God lead a man to Do you realize in fact that the way God convicts a man Alright, the way God convicts a man, alright, of the fact that he is a sinner is that he gave his spirit, which was the work of redemption. You know, Jesus was talking about that in John chapter 16. I don't want to go there because of time. Alright, and he spoke about the work of, you know, the spirit upon the earth. He says he will convict the world of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment. He says of righteousness because, you know, of righteousness, uh, let me just, just go there. I don't want to, I don't want to quote it from my head because I think I might just miss it up there. He says he convicts, he was talking about the work of the spirit of God upon the earth. John chapter 16. John 16, oh my, 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 John chapter 16, all right, John 16 from verse, um, from verse 8, he says, and when he is come, he will prove the word of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He says, of sin because they believe not on me. Can you see that? He says, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is just. Can you see that? So, his way of convicting the world of sin is that they do not believe, they do not have faith in what I have done. Just that his way of convicting the world of sin is not by saying you're a bad person, you've done this, you've done that. His way of convicting the world of sin is by putting it to them that this is what I've done. All right, and you have not believed in it. That is actually how God convicts a man of sin. So God's way of making a man move into repentance is to present the man what he has done. He puts it clearly in his face and the man sees it. He sees the goodness of it. And in the light of the goodness of it, he sees the darkness of his heart. And it causes him to fall down and tremble in reverence. And that's simply what happened with Paul. All right. Sorry, that's simply what happened with Peter. All right. In Luke 5. Let's go back there. All right. In Luke 5. So look at what happens. Now, notice, God, Jesus didn't have to say a word to Peter. He just had to do a miracle for Peter so great. And then Peter says, you know what? Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drop of the fishes which they are taking. And so was James and John and the sons of Zebedee, which were partners of, uh, with Simon. And just, Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for hence not. Thou shalt catch men. So he says, Thou shalt I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? And that's where that phrase actually came from. So can you see that? So the way Jesus actually causes a man to be converted, the way Jesus actually works on a man's heart, alright, in order that the man can repent, is that he, he is good to the man. So in other words, listen to me, alright? Sin is bad, but sin is not enough to make God unwilling to heal you. Ah, it's not. Sin can affect your own heart, all right, in receiving from God's healing power, which is why you should not, all right? But at the end of the day, listen, even when you're a sinner, God is still willing to heal you. And you see, we can, we, we, we do not have to remove one truth for the other. We can speak both of them as it is because it's clearly from scripture. We can see on one hand that God does not delight in sin and no believer should delight in sin and nobody should actually continue in sin or should, you know, even commit sin at all. But the reality of it is that clearly from God's word, everybody that Jesus healed when he was on the earth was a sinner. Every single person that Jesus healed was a sinner. Every single person that Jesus did a miracle for was a sinner. And that's the truth. And so at the end of the day, what that lets you see is that God's way of actually getting the sinner to be converted is that he shows up in the goodness of his majesty. When he shows up that way, as a reason of his goodness, the sinner sees the goodness of God. And as a reason of the shining forth of light of the goodness of God, he sees himself as we really is as a sinner. And it causes him to fall in adoration of God and to change. Glory to God. 
Glory to Jesus. All right, let's just move on. All right, so, so far we have seen, all right, that, you know, um, <clears throat> that sin, and that was the primary thing I've been trying to explain so far, that sin really, it cannot be a hindrance from God's path. Do you understand? So, God doesn't look at your sin and say, ah, I wanted to heal you, but I'm not going to be able to heal you anymore. That's not Jesus. That's not, that's not him. He's a good God. Alright, I told you already, he causes his sun to shine on both the evil and the good. He causes his rain to rain on both the just and the unjust. Because that's just who he is. He's a compassionate healer. He's a good God. That's just how he is. He loves to help and loves to heal. But now we actually do see a scenario from scripture where Jesus actually wanted to heal and he could not. And if I were you, this particular part would actually get me really concerned and very scared. He wanted to heal, but, could, but he could not. Now, look at Mark chapter 6. Mark 6 from his own to 6. And I'm just going to run through this. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was coming, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence had this man these things? And what wisdom is this which, 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 um, is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? He says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto him, so unto them, The prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin, and in his own house, and he, and he could dare do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the Villages teaching. Now this, now this, this part should, 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 should do something to you. Now this is Jesus. Don't forget, Jesus is God as a man. Jesus is God in the flesh. All of God come as a man. Bible says in Him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead body. So all that was present in God was present in this man when he walked the face of the earth. This was God upon the earth. God present in our neighborhood. Emmanuel, God with us. That's literally who Jesus was. Now, pay attention. He goes to his own hometown. Now, you need to understand, this is why this particular place, is, this story is interesting. In just the previous chapter, Mark 5, he literally went to the house of Jairus to heal Jairus' daughter. And along the way, someone who he was not even aware of got the healing from him. So meaning, Jesus was healing people without him even like paying attention. Someone just laid hold on the end of his garment and then she got healed. Now, the next chapter, he goes to his own hometown, now ready to heal. Take Now, in this place, even with his disciples, you know, in, in today's palace, it's like you're preparing for, for a crusade meeting. You know, you guys have prayed in tongues. You're ready to dispense God's power. You're going to your hometown. Oh, this place is going to be covered with God's word. This place is going to be covered with, God, with the power of God. And then he goes there. And then he begins to teach. And then see what happened. You see, the, 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 the mistake was they began to speak. They began, and you see, this is one of the reasons why you see, as a believer, you cannot afford your, your mouth. The words that come out of your mouth mean a lot. Why? Because I've thought, I've thought about this before. You know, the, the, the words that come out of your mouth are, are, are double-edged. And in this sense, number one, they are direct reflections of what happens in your heart. But much more, the words that come out of your heart can also have influence upon your heart as well. And this is the reason sometimes, even when you're not in faith, I'll tell you, keep speaking God's word again and again. Because if you speak it long enough, a lot of times your heart is going to catch up with it. As long as you are willing to have your heart catch up with it. But before you know it, don't, don't be scared to say God's word even when you don't, you don't, you don't believe it strongly in your heart. Keep saying it. You're going to say it up to a point when your heart is going to catch up and you'll be grounded in the full assurance of faith. That's going to happen. And so look at these people. Look at what happened to them. He says, ah, is, this not, is this not the carpenter? Is, he, is, this not, is this not Jesus? Is this not Jesus? Now, notice, and I said this before, were they wrong? No, they were not. They were not wrong. They were being honest. And this is the truth. Because he was actually a carpenter. 
was actually the son of Mary. And of a truth, they actually knew his brothers and sisters. But that's the thing. The accuracy of the information doesn't get you healed. It's the necessity of the information in that scenario. So at that point in time, they didn't need to know Jesus the carpenter. They only needed to know Jesus the healer. And look at what happens here. Bible says he could dare do no mighty work. What? God as a man, God in human form, goes to a particular place to minister. Now, he goes there intentionally. And the Bible says he could dare do no mighty work, save that he... And, and I think it's just beautiful that the Bible recorded it. So the Bible lets you know, see, God is not just some magician. There are actually certain scenarios where some things don't just work. He says he could dare do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folks and healed them. Just on a few. And he healed them. So can you see that? So at the end of the day, the issue wasn't that Jesus wasn't present, to, wasn't present for them to heal. The issue wasn't that the power of God wasn't present to heal. The issue was that they had used their hearts. Alright? They had used their hearts in the son. Alright? And so that they could not receive from him. So that they could not. So that, see, don't get... And you see, this thing... And, you, know, you, might, you might hear this and say, well, that's not me. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Listen, there, there, is, a, there is a danger with when you have been in church for so long that you become very used to certain supernatural or spiritual things that you no longer see how important they are and you've lost your reverence concerning them. So for some of us, for example, we've gone up in church and we've always heard Jesus heals, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. So somehow it has become a mental ascent to you. Jesus. So you believe Jesus, you know it's you know that Jesus heals, but never have you ever spoken forth words of faith and healing when you have the headache. You just pick up more. You know, never have you actually spoken words of faith and healing when you have a stomachache. You just pick up something. If you already know the drugs to use because you're already used to them, never do you actually minister words of faith in those things. Listen to me, chances are you've already fallen prey to mental assent. A part of your, and you're in a place where you don't argue with it. You actually agree with it in your mind. But you don't just believe it enough to walk in it. And that's it. So you need to realize that, see, when it comes to the healing power of God, one of the things you must reckon, and this is not just only about Jesus now, this is also about the person who will be ministering, because you need to understand this, God is going to do, everything God is going to do on the earth for people, He's going to do through men. He's going to do through men. And so the way you honor God is to honor the many ascents. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to receive from God, you're going to have to receive from men. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, it says that, um, um, <clears throat> Yeah, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. So the treasure is in earthen vessels, vessels of clay. The treasure of God is in vessels of clay. So if you are going to have to receive from God, you are going to learn to have to receive from men. And so it also falls in this scenario. So sometimes you need to understand, when you want to receive from a particular minister of the gospel, that's not the time to be trying to hear just about them. What do you need just for? What does it matter so much to you? Oh, eh? Are you serious? Wow. Ah, so it's not even that special, eh? So into your flows. That, now you don't realize it. Now is now this is not me saying that that information that you found is not correct. It might be right. It might be accurate. But remember what happened in Mark six. The issue wasn't the accuracy of the information. The issue was the necessity of that information in that scenario. So now you know Jesus the carpenter. You know everything about Jesus, save the fact that Jesus is actually a healer, which you actually need. Think about the fact that there would have been people in that place who probably have had terminal illnesses. People in that place who actually needed the healing very seriously. But Jesus could do nothing about it. Why? Because they already had the sun in their hearts based on the kind of woman. Now that was something you need to realize. Notice when Jesus said the prophet is not without honor, you know, but in his own country. Meaning they had the sun in their hearts. Now it's not like as though they just had the sun all of a sudden. No. Information spurred up that the sun. That's something you need to realize. Information is very powerful. 
the kind of things you hear, the kind of things you allow into your heart, the kind of things you pay attention to, the kind of places you stay around, the kind of channels you watch. You know, there are people who just delight in just watching videos about scandals of men of God. Let me tell you, you're not going to help yourself. The day when you need to receive the power of God from a man of God, that thing will affect your heart so much you won't be able to receive anything. I'm telling you. You won't be able to. So you need to watch the things you say. And you don't just do it. And I promise you that it wasn't the night before Jesus came that they, you know, started, that they started having that information. They would have had it in their hearts for a long time. They would have known it for a long time. And what you even want to ask yourself is this. Why exactly will you come for a meeting? All right. Why exactly will you come for a meeting when you don't honor the man of God that is there? Because that's literally what they did. They were not, they clearly were not in their houses because they were there and they said those things and Jesus actually heard it and, and perceived it and, you know, sensed their own belief. In other words, they, they even came for the meeting. So they came to the meeting and but in their hearts there was dishonor. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Do you understand? Notice I said it again and again. The issue here is not that the information you have is wrong. It's just that in that particular scenario is not what you need. And so you need to learn to caution yourself well enough to know that there are some kind of gist you should not hear as a believer. There's some kind of gist you Okay, now you, you know the gist. What what will it profit with? What will it profit you? God called the man. The God that called the man knew about all those flaws and called him. Are you wiser than God? <laughs> Are you wiser than God? So look away from those things and stay with what you actually need. Listen, at the end of the day, it is still between God. The man that man of God will give accounts to God about any mistake or flaw he made. Just focus on the treasure in eating vessels and receive what you need to receive. This is what you, you see. This I'm telling you here is one of the very critical signs of spiritual maturity, maturity, and it's a very classical example of spiritual intelligence. You must know how to discern men by the gift of God upon their lives. Now, this is not about you trying to use them, but this is just you letting your eyes be single on what you need. That's just it, though. Just focus on what it is you need. You need Jesus the healer. There might be Jesus the carpenter, Jesus the um the pauper, Jesus the not so fashionable guy, so on and so forth. Jesus the guy that causes so much pro problem. But at the end of the day, what you need is Jesus the healer for yourself and for your family. Don't lose a hold of that. Don't let it go. Stay with it. That's actually what you need. That's actually what you need. And look at what it says. It says you could dare do no mighty work. But look also at the goodness of Jesus. Bible still says that save that he healed only a few sick folks. So Jesus did not see all of that and say, ah, you people, you are serious. And then just walked away. No. He was still willing in those scenarios to still get people healed. So he could still do the least we could. And look at what the Bible says after. He says, and he went around about the multitude. Rather about the place teaching. Why, why do you think he was teaching? He was teaching in order to combat the unbelief in their hearts so that he would now be able to heal them. Now that's a good God. You know, it is some of us, I say, <laughs> me that I'm called of the Lord. I'm, <laughs> there is anointing boiling in my head. You do not receive me. Ah, it's even good. Your school is we should dust the sander or destroy this dust of our sander. Dust it. Your, 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 your destruction will be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. No, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus still tried to heal few sick folks there. Much more importantly, he was teaching roundabouts to combat their unbelief in so, so much so that you'll be able to minister the power of God unto them. That just shows you the goodness of God. That shows you how God, that shows you the kindness of God. He's always willing. See, he's, 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 he's literally running after you with his healing power. And some of you are wondering, I know right now, you might be listening to saying, why exactly have I not now, if truly he's running after me like this, why have I not received my healing power? I don't know. Possibly you already had you had something in your heart as an hindrance. Now is the time to let go of that hindrance. Now is the time to receive. Listen, God is, and I think I can say this now with all confidence based on the things we've explained so far. God is a lot more willing to get you healed than you are to receive a healing. 
I'm going to say that again. God is a lot more willing to get you healed than you are to receive that healing. Because he's a good God. Don't you get it? He wants to get you healed. He wants to get you out of that sickness. He wants you to do his will. He wants you to do his will. He wants you to do his will. So get a hold of yourself. It's time to receive your healing. It's time to receive your healing. So that's God for you. Always looking around for a way he can heal sick folks. Even so, even when you are doubting in your heart, Jesus, look, look at, look at, for example, the story of Abraham. All right, who is called Father of Faith. Look at the story of Abraham. You know, one of the encounters I love the most was in Genesis 17. All right, in Genesis 17, you know, God takes him out in the cool of the night. You know, and then God begins to tell him about the stuff, stuff that he's going to do, and so on and so forth, right? And then he tells him, you know what, they're going to, you know, you change your name from Abraham to Abraham, right? And stuff like that. And you know, you know, you know, Bible says that Abraham just fell down and began to laugh. <laughs> you know, you know what, do you know what it means for God to speak to you and you just fall down and begin to laugh? But you know, you know, you're not there. You would have expected that God would just say, ah, hey, oh, Martin, shaking me. I'm getting very comfortable with me. And that's what some of our parents probably do. They're getting to go, I'm or I'm Oh, serious. In fact, for that, for that, for what you just did, I'll show you. No, that's not what he did. The Bible says that God responded to him and said, you know what's going to happen? That child will be called laughter. <laughs> so in other words, Abraham laughed in unbelief. God coined forth the name of the child from that unbelief. He says that child will be called laughter. Why? Because he is willing to cause things to happen even in the presence of that unbelief. He, but now, notice that Abraham did not stay in unbelief. After he told, and what, how do you know Abraham did not stay in unbelief? Immediately after that time, Abraham changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Do you know what it means for you to change your name to father of many nations when you don't have one child? Ah, that's faith. So, at the end of the day, notice that God didn't just stay with your unbelief and say, okay, no problem, no problem. Even if you're not believe, I'm sure you do what I'm going to do. No. God recognizes that unbelief actually has something it can do to the man to prevent him from receiving. So, God had to tackle his heart. So, at the end of the day, having said those things, he got back into faith. And having stayed in faith, he then received the promise. He received the promise. But can you see? So, in other words, God is even interested in trying to, he, he wants to do, look at what, and just like what Jesus did in Mark 6, God wants to fix that unbelief and make it fit so that you can receive. So, not only is God just willing to give you his power to get you healed, God is willing to also do something about your heart in order that you are in faith so that you can receive adequately that which you need. So, don't be scared if you feel like you are in unbelief or not. Listen, God is so good, he's going to fix your unbelief, put you in faith, and then get you healed. That's just the goodness of God. So this thing, I'm here to introduce you, Master Jesus, the healing Jesus, the great physician. That's what I'm introducing to you. One who takes care of your heart so that you are in faith and then heals you afterwards. And more so, I'm here to tell you that that sin cannot, it's not big enough and interest to stop God from healing you. You shouldn't continue in that sin. You shouldn't do it anymore. Are you with me? But listen to me. Don't let the devil sell you that lie. Don't let the devil tell you that the reason you are not, you know, you, you, you cannot receive of God's healing power is because of that thing that you've done. That's a lie. That's the devil lying to you. And don't let the devil lie to you. Take a hold of God's word. And speak God's word over you. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. So really, if there's any hindrance to, the, to your healing, at the end of the day, it's your heart. Your heart. Unbelief in your heart. Dishonor in your heart. Dishonor in your heart. So I want you to repent of that right now, wherever you are. All right, repent of that wherever you are. Maybe you know, for maybe because of experiences you've had before in the past, you, you know, you began to speak down of God's healing power and so on and so forth. Listen, listen to me. It's time to repent. See, God's power is real, and you know, you know it is real. Let's let, let's forget all the the calisthenics. Let's forget the caricature and so on and so forth. Let's just tell ourselves the truth. You actually know that God's power is real. You actually know that He can heal. But I know you're annoyed. You, you know, you tried praying for that person, the person didn't get healed. You needed that healing for that family member, they didn't get healed. But listen to me. 
It doesn't change the fact that God is a healer. He's a healer. And he said, yet many more testimonies are bound and await for you in the future. Just, just repent in your heart. And say, Lord, I, I believe that you're a healer. I, I believe that you're a healer. I believe that you want to heal me. I believe. I believe that there are no sins that I've done in the past, no sins that are strong enough to stop you from wanting to heal me. I believe so. And I want you to just say this with me. Say, Jesus, say, Jesus, I know that you're a healer. Say, I know you are willing to heal me. Always. Say, I believe that you are bigger and more powerful than any mistake I've made in the past. I choose to see you as good and always good. I receive my healing today. Thank you for healing me, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give you praise and glory. Glory to God. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on carysoul.bb at gmail.com. We call you blessed.